Inverse Genius Episode 22, Bond, Dalton and Brosnan. In this episode, Eric is joined once again by the amazing Patrick Hillier to talk about the next batch of Bond movies, these including the ones by Dalton and by Pierce Brosnan. Inverse Genius is sponsored by our incredible Patreons at patreon.com obg. You can head over there and support. All of that money goes to cover our monthly podcasting costs, and we really appreciate it. Thanks. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Inverse Genius. I am Eric Dewey. You can find me at ericdewey.com or whatever's going on over at inversegenius.com. And we are here once again with the man of the hour, Mr. Patrick Hillier. Hey, Eric. Thanks for having me back. Thanks for coming back. Uh, any place in particular people can find you if they want to track you down? Uh, I am best found on the Twitter universe over there, at over the Hillier. And you are a connoisseur of excellent puns, I might add. <laughs> I, I do my best. <laughs> you do your best and you do it well. Thank you. Well, Patrick, if we're having you on the show again, that can only mean one thing. Episode three of the Bond universe. Exactly. So this time we're going to combine two two people, kind of like we did the first time. We'll combine Timothy Dalton and Pierce Brosnan. Yes. That seems so, like a good, good stepping stone. Indeed. So let's jump into it. So uh, as we mentioned the last time, Roger Moore had uh, called it quits after View to a Kill. Uh, and so they were looking for a new Bond, and as they always seem to do when they're looking for a new Bond, there's all these people that get picked to be the Bond, or at least mentioned a lot to be Bond. Uh, who was probably the most famous to be Bond this time around? You know, I, I, well, I, I seem to remember, wasn't Pierce Brosnan in the running? Indeed he was. He was actually going to be their, their choice, um, but at the I, sort of the last minute NBC who he was doing at Remington Steel for had right. some sort of contract clause and said nope he's sticking with us yeah yeah that's what I seem to remember happening yeah and, and interestingly enough Timothy Dalton was actually one of the people who tried out for Bond when Moore got it yeah I seem to remember you mentioning that yeah so anyway time was right for Timothy Dalton to become Bond so in uh, 1987 out came the living daylights uh-huh. And <laughs> did you get that joke? Oh, right. Yes. Aha, uh-huh, because <laughs> the theme for the movie was done by Aha. Uh-huh. Yes. Famous for Take yeah. on Me. Yeah. Uh just as a mild aside, I have nothing but uh respect for Aha uh-huh because the lead singer there can hit that high note on Take on Me and you know who knows how many times he sung that and that's I know. You know, before yeah. auto-tune and all the pitch correcting, so mm-hmm. power to him. <laughs> Um, Yeah, so one of the things that was kind of interesting about this when it first starts is there's three double-O agents parachuting in, I forget where, some island nation, and you can't tell which one is Bond. And in theory, if you didn't know who Dalton was, or that Dalton was Bond, you know, that was sort of a mystery. Which one of these guys is Bond? Yeah. And that, that mystery makes it becomes a little bit easier when one of them 004 gets shot and killed during this training exercise that they're doing which just goes to show you in the bond universe it doesn't pay to be a 00 agent that's not 007 (laughs) ain't that the truth and so then we're off and running and this particular movie i don't know how well you remember this but this one had a relatively complicated plot (laughs) uh 
Yeah, I don't remember this one all that well because I just remember not liking it that much. I uh, I enjoyed it. I, I liked Dalton overall. He mm-hmm. wasn't. I still liked more and more. <laughs> as it were, uh, but he was fine. I kind of felt that first Bond, James Bond, that he uttered was a little bit flubbed. I seem to, he ends up like crashing on some lady's yacht, trying to get away from yes. this guy who's trying to assassinate him. And uh, and he just kind of like Bond, James Bond, you know, just right. kind of throws it off. So it's like, ah, oh, too bad. Yeah. This one seemed to play heavily on the East meets West sort of thing, didn't it? It did. There there was, uh, well, Middle East meets West, actually. Okay, yeah. Um, so so this is late 80s, so it's still in the Cold War. Russia is still the enemy, but it is softening a little bit. Russia mm-hmm. is also deep in a war with Afghanistan, which will come into play here in a little bit. The basic plot is that Smirsh, or they never call it Smirsh, but Spiet something or another, which is Smirsh, Death to Spies, right. uh, is activated again. And and so they're trying to kill uh, they're trying to kill spies. That's what happened in the beginning. A Bond, one of the 007 guys, 004, I mean, gets killed. Uh, but then there is a Russian defector who's trying to defect, and so they're trying to kill him as well. And along the way, Bond is told that, oh, this Russian guy is going to be assassinated. You need to stop it. And it's going to be he's going to be assassinated in the middle of this this choir con- or this uh, orchestra concert, right? And so Bond, of course, suits up, goes into the orchestra, finds the assassin who is Marion Dabo, a yes. waif-like blonde, and so she's going to shoot him with a sniper rifle. And instead of following orders, where Bond was told to shoot and kill her, he shoots the stock of the rifle instead, and she flees and runs away. Uh, later on, he investigates and discovers that she's actually shooting blanks, and I don't think she knows that, or maybe she does know that. There's a lot of double-crossing going on. But uh, he ends up kind of seducing her, bringing her to his side, and then the Russians are now all chasing after them, which leads to a very memorable uh, snow chase. Mm-hmm. And do you remember how it ends? <laughs> <laughs> Didn't they sled down the mountain in her cello case? Right, or she's this cellist. And yeah, so they yeah. literally are sliding down the mountain inside the cello case. They're coming to the border. He hands her the passports. And he's like, wave these. And they scoot by. <laughs> underneath, the, underneath the bar. Exactly, exactly. exactly. Yeah, something to that effect. <laughs> yeah. So that was, that was pretty fun overall, actually. It, wasn't, mm-hmm. it, it lacked the little slide whistle you'd expect if uh, more yes. was in there. So that made uh-huh. it kind of work out a little better. Right. Uh, so the, the basic idea here is that these Russians are trying to kill this other Russian who wants to defect. And they're also working with uh, an American arms dealer, Brad Whitaker. Right, yeah. P- played by one of my favorites, Jodon Baker. <laughs> <laughs> no, he was a good guy. He was a good guy uh, in a movie we'll talk <laughs> shortly. About later, yeah. Yep. yeah. But in this one, he's the bad guy. And um, so, yeah, so they're trying to, to stop that. And basically, the Russian decides, nope, we don't want to do this deal with the, the American arms dealer anymore. But he's like, nope, you're in it too deep. We're going to keep going. So they figure out a way to sell uh, opium in Afghanistan to give the money that that uh, Whitaker needs to continue this mit traveled into Afghanistan. In fact, uh, Bond gets knocked out by uh, what was what was her name? Uh, Kara, the cellist. She like slips him a Mickey or something, and he 
falls unconscious, but right before yeah. he falls unconscious, he gets to tell her. She figures out he's actually a good guy, but too late. They wake up inside an Afghanistan jail uh, run by the Russians. And uh, then they escape, and one mm-hmm. of the guys that they're in jail with turns out to be an Afghan prince who's also in charge of the Mujahideen, who at this time are allies of America. <laughs> of course. Sagan? That week. That week, exactly. And um, so, so there ends up being this big drug deal with heroin and, and whatnot, which leads to a big fight with the head bad guy. And I forget what his name is. He's this Aryan-looking guy who's doing a lot of killing of different people. Um, Necros, the head Necros, hitman. that's him, yep. And so... So they have this this C-130 Hercules of all planes uh, full of heroin and a big cargo mm-hmm. net and Bond sneaks aboard and as they're flying this heroin, smuggling it, Necros finds them and they get into this big fight and during the fight, the tailgate opens and a big cargo net full of, of heroin comes hanging out of the airplane, still tied into it. And of course, Bond and Necros are on that cargo net. And uh, that was one of the most... I mean, there's always great fight scenes and great stunts in Bond movies, yeah. but that one I just remember was just phenomenal. Yeah, you know, it's it's funny. I, I to do something different, I guess, for this one, I, I found a list of what somebody ranked the top fifty James Bond stunts. Oh yeah, and they had listed that as the their number one was that fight scene of all the of all the stunts because it was a real stunt. I mean, it was right. staged. It was really done in the back of that airplane and. Just, you know, if you really thought about it is how did they film that? How do those actors really do that? You know, if you step if you step out of the movie for a second and you start to think about how things were filled, that's when that's sometimes when they become even more amazing. Exactly. I mean, think about hanging on the back of a net and it's kinda of going up and down, up and down. And mm-hmm. to add insult to injury, you know, it starts off really full and then at some point I think the net gets cut and some of those bags fall out. So then it becomes lighter and they're flailing around. Right. And so not only are the stuntmen have to stay on this net but they also have to look like they're fighting too yeah yeah it's just crazy and in fact they they sort of primed the pump for me because i'm a big airplane fan and so i always like to see 130 and right at the start of this sort of scene that you know the there's a big fight going on the c-130 then takes off and it has to take off because another plane is landing at the same time and there's a really cool stunt where the c-130 just takes off and and just barely misses the plane that's landing Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh man, that was cool. And then yeah, to add that big fight at the end was just was just amazing. So to me that's that's the scene that I'm looking for in that movie. That's what I'm watching for. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, there was also plenty of gadgets and other cool things in it in a in the usual bomb. Yeah, manner. yeah. They uh, he had an Aston Martin Volante, I think, with some pretty cool stuff. Had laser hub caps mm-hmm. to like cut a car in half, which was a little goofy, but yes. had outriggers mm-hmm. because he was going to be on snow and spiked tires and and uh, rocket launchers rocket launchers yeah. and so and there was a i'm pretty sure there was a scene with q where they talk all about is this with the yeah they had the ghetto blaster which was a boom box that fired a missile and you know they walk <laughs> through his they walk all through his uh, area there so yeah eventually bond disper- disposes of necros he corners whitaker at his place in like tangiers or someplace and uh, they have a fight to the death, and he beats Whitaker, and then uh, the Russian guy gets sent back to Russia. You know, they meet up again, I think, with Golgo, who, who's been sort of a continuing the head of KGB, mm-hmm. but overall a decent guy. 
Um, but he tells the bad guy, Pushkin, I think his name was, that he gets to go back in the diplomatic bag, which I think was pretty much a body bag. <laughs> yeah. And that yeah. was the end of that. The other thing that's notice- notable about this movie was it was also during the height of AIDS and STD awareness um, had become real popular, or real public, I should say. And it was a sure. big deal. They made a huge deal of the fact that the only girl that Bond sleeps with is Kara in this movie. He's monogamous in this mm. movie. <laughs> so this this I was um, okay. It's the next one. Yeah. Okay. I'm I'm misremembering my <laughs> Bond ladies. So she comes yeah. up in the next one. And so okay. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, and it's fine. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't. No, I remember. I remember yeah. that time frame that it was set in. Yeah, it was. It was definitely a change uh, in the Bond era tone. Yeah. <clears throat> And uh, and so, that was the end of it. Dalton made a reasonably good appearance. James Bond will return, mm-hmm. and and indeed mm-hmm. he does. Uh, and you you were talking about that was sort of the time, and there was a change kind of in tone. And so his next movie uh, really emphasizes that, I think. <laughs> yes. And so for this one, we're talking about License to Kill. Correct. So how would you summarize? How would you sum up License to Kill? Gosh, License to Kill just seemed uh, it was it was him fighting a it's drug lord. A, it's your I mean, bog standard revenge flick, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The drug lord uh, beats up or you know, kills. He didn't kill Felix. He he feeds him yep. to some sharks. If yep. I remember correctly, puts on a on a note he disagreed with something that ate him. And when I saw that scene, I was really ticked off because first of all, that was the Felix. I forget which movie he was in. Uh, he was one of the Felixes for Moore's movie, but I liked him quite a bit. And I was like, oh, my gosh, they bit off his leg. That's that's terrible. I mean, Felix. Yeah, I but know. But years later, when I was reading the novel Live and Let Die, that's that whole scene plays out in the novel. Uh, and so oh. I was like, oh, well, I guess it's okay then. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, yeah, and yeah, Felix, and, it, it was uh, his wedding night because he was married to uh, Priscilla Barnes, who was... Uh, one of the girls on Three's Company. I can't remember. That's what, yes. The last yeah. one. Mm-hmm. Anyway, but she didn't She didn't survive that night. The bad guys come. Because essentially what happens in the tra- in the teaser is that Bond, on the way to Felix's wedding, Felix, who's retired from the CIA and now working for the DEA, he and Bond decide to nab this big drug lord. And so they, they do. Right. And then after they successfully arrest him, they parachute in wearing their tuxes, and he goes off and gets married. <laughs> And then, of course, the villain escapes. Yep, villain escapes, extracts revenge. Bond is now angry, runs to M, says, hey, we got to do something. Uh, Actually, in Hemingway's house, if I'm not mistaken, in Key West, uh, M basically says, nope, sorry, it's really not a matter of English national security. So Bond's like, well, I'm going to do it anyway. And M's like, well, if you're going to do it, then you're going to you know, have to be, you're fired, essentially, turn in your license to kill. And, right. And giving exactly. him tacit approval to do it, although not official approval. Yeah. And so off he goes. He's going to go trace down this drug lord. And uh, so he starts with uh, trying to figure out how the drugs are smuggled in. So he gets into, of all things, a bar fight. Right. Exactly. <laughs> So there's this girl in the bar who he knows uh, knows how the drugs are smuggled. So he's 
trying to seduce her or something, and then a big bar fight breaks out. She suddenly has a 12-gauge shotgun under the table, and, and they basically <laughs> fight and escape and then decide, hey, we both hate this drug dealer, so let's go and uh, go stop him. And we find out, you know, not only is the drug dealer a bad guy because he, you know, feeds our favorite CIA agent to a shark, yeah. but also he's got this girlfriend, Talissa, Talista Soto. She was a katana in the Mortal Kombat movies. Um, but she doesn't like him very much, and she disobeys him in some way, and so he whips her with a uh, stingray tail at some no, point. No, he's a pretty bad guy. I mean, he comes so, across as being a We clearly don't like this guy. And then he's got this evil henchman. We don't know if we've met him yet. Dario. Benedicto del Toro. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and he actually was a really good... He, he was an interesting henchman in my mind because he has those, you know, kind of dark, sunken eyes. So he looks evil and he's pretty uh -huh. tough in it. Um, yes. But he's not like the the other Bond henchmen that are, you know, like giant or... Just, I mean, he's just this... He looks like he's a guy that grew up in the streets and would just gut you in a moment. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah, not not the Red Grant clone. Right, exactly, exactly. I mean, that's, there's anything wrong with Red, Red Grant. Red Grant's classic, but, you know, he, just, he was the first one. They don't have to clone him in every movie. <laughs> Which they did in the previous one. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, yep, so then Bond goes, and he's, he, 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 it's actually pretty slick. He finds out that the bad guy has, like, he runs this casino in Mexico, I think, and he can't just shoot him through the window because it's all bulletproof glass. So he puts some plastic explosives on the window and detonates those, which essentially convinces the bad guy that someone's trying to kill him. And then Bond sort of waltzes in and says, hey, I can take care of this problem for you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm your buddy. Exactly. <laughs> and also on vacation is Q, who you know is basically nudged by M to go go give Bond some help. And so he brings a few gadgets for Bond to play with. Honestly, the only one I remember is a Polaroid camera that also shoots a laser and takes x-ray pictures. But he might have brought the plastic explosives as well. Sure. <laughs> and uh, so, oh, so they figure out that the, the drugs are being smuggled by some nautical research group they have a ship and everything and they have this submarine that gets the drugs and so there's a big fight in this on this ship and bond escapes the by uh getting on the the boat that's that's there to pick up the drugs i'm sorry it's not a boat it's a seaplane he gets on the seaplane and he escapes them from them shooting at him and then later comes back and kills the head guy by putting him in a depressurization chamber and just oh crest yeah, yeah the yeah, now, is that the scene? Is the is the airplane the scene where he he uh, water skis behind it? Yep, he shoots the pontoon with a uh, with a harpoon gun, and then yeah, mm -hmm. just water skis, and that's how he's able to get away from all the gun toting guys behind him. Yeah, yeah, it was kind of ridiculous. It was kind of ridiculous. <laughs> another, but another another one of those on the stunt list, I think. Yeah. <laughs> so. Um, so he's he's essentially dispatched of that half of the operation. Now he just has to kill the main bad guy. Uh, but he has to kind of figure out, I don't know, the right time or the place. And and they go into a lot of detail in this movie and how these drugs are moved. You know, like they're... Yes. They're... they're a, they, they, the, the sea guy gets them and he puts them in the submarine and the submarine's out in international waters and a seaplane lands and they put it in the seaplane and then they take the seaplane and they take it over to this uh, refinery where they mix it with gasoline. And so yeah. they basically smuggle it by, by putting in gas gas trucks. And then the way they take their 
do you remember how they take their orders? This just cracks me up every time. I oh, yeah, the preacher. Yeah. yeah. There's a televangelist uh, played by <laughs> Wayne Newton. <laughs> yes, which was great. Exactly. He was so great in that. Um, and, yeah, the, basically he's asking for people to donate money. And what you're really doing is you're calling the number and saying, I need 50 keys or whatever. And, and <laughs> that's, Yeah, that's kind of clever. Yeah. And so – and uh, the girl – I can't remember her name in the in the movie, but she, Lupe, not not Lupe, but the uh, other one, the the boat driver, shotgun wielder one. Oh, uh, oh, Pam Bouvier, Pam Bouvier was, was by uh, uh, what's her name? Carrie, Carrie Ewes or something? Lowell. Lowell, yeah, yeah. you're right. Lowell, yeah. Uh, so she she basically gets one over on Wayne Newton, and he just sort of mm-hmm. in his way kind of chuckles and is like, "Yeah, I got caught, but uh, you know, bless you, my child." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, he was a great character. He does. I, honestly, like that one in, in Adventures of Ford Fairlane, he was, anytime I see Wayne Newton, I'm just excited to see what character he's going to play, what version of Wayne Newton he's going to play. <laughs> uh, they uh, go through the whole drug running operation where they turn it into gasoline. Uh, the bad guy's henchman figures out Bond is a bad guy, so they have a nice little fight on the uh, conveyor belt there. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, oh, there's also a mild subplot where the drug smugglers also have some Stinger missiles, which also at the time was a big kind of deal. There's always this fear that terrorists would get hold of Stinger missiles. We were selling Stinger missiles to the Mujahideen to shoot down um, helicopters, you know, Russian attack copters. And so there's always this fear that they could shoot down a, a an airliner with a Stinger missile. So that was sort of a subplot in this as well. Sure. So then we reach the end of the movie where there's this big uh, convoy scene with all these gas trucks full of cocaine, and Bond's basically working his way up to try and fight the bad guy. And uh, he they get into a huge fight, but oh, there actually is a pretty cool stunt here where uh, at one point they fire one of the Stinger missiles at the truck, and Bond pumps it, I would say, on two wheels, but since it's a truck, it's on, what, nine wheels? <laughs> nine. <laughs> and yeah, and the missile yeah. goes flying underneath it. So being able to do that on a truck, pretty impressive. Yeah, yeah, you know that's in that, in that ever ever upping the scale James Bond thing. Right, exactly. And we've now got a tanker truck chase. <laughs> and then um, at the end, actually, the bad guy defeats Bond. He's lying there, uh, beaten up. Bad guy's going to shoot him. Uh, Bond's like, "Don't you even want to know why I'm doing all this?" And he shows this lighter that you know Felix's lighter. I think it's the lighter that Felix gave him for being his best man or something. And, of course, the bad guy's standing in a pool of gasoline, and he lights it, and poof. Yep. Poof. And that's the end of License to Kill. Again, Die Hard, big hit at the time. We need to make our own revenge, sort of one-man action flick kind of thing. So that's what we're going to do, and, and that's what they yeah. did. Right. Yeah, this one was a bit on the... I don't know, it was on the more gruesome side. Yeah. You know, with the with the guys and the grinding thing, and a lot more explosions. and. Yeah, it was a lot more... Um, yeah. Gruesome is probably the best way to put it. When he blew up a crest inside the decompression yeah. chamber, that was pretty graphic mm-hmm. as well. And yeah, and, and you know, and and just on a totally side tangent, because we were talking about Star Trek just a few minutes ago, the same actor appears later in a Star Trek movie, and his face blows up <laughs> <laughs> in some sort of stretching machine. I forget insurrection or something oh, like that. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like. What? Did they plan that on purpose or not? I, how does that work? We had some know. footage left over of his head exploding, so let's just save some time. It wasn't just again. <laughs> All right, we should move on. Okay. 
So, and and that's the other thing is I, I didn't like Dalton's hair in this movie. He had sort of the widow's peak comb back hair that just mm-hmm. never. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Anyway, so that's the end of Dalton's run. Um, not so much because of anything he did, but for the next eight or so years, uh, there's a big rights litigation issues, and no new Bond movies are coming out. Uh, six years six is years. what I'm showing. Yeah. So when that is finally said and done, Dalton's like, you know, I've been... He, he, he made an interesting point, because when they announced that uh, Brosnan was going to be the next one, they had, I had watched an interview with Dalton, and, and they were like, well, how do you feel? You only got to do two movies. He's like, you know, I was Bond for eight years. That's, that's a good run. <laughs> I was like, yeah, that's a good point. That's funny. And, uh, and he still pops up. He, I always liked Dalton. I mean, of course, he was in Flash Gordon, but he was great in uh, as Errol Flynn, essentially, in The Rocketeer. So, Yeah. No, he's, I, I don't have any problems with him. Yeah, he's I, a solid actor. You know. All right, but now we get to, to Goldeneye, Pierce Brosnan's debut. And really, yes. there's a lot of people, myself included, couldn't wait to see Brosnan's Bond. Yeah, I was ready for it. And and I thought he did a phenomenal job. What I thought he brought to Bond was just this grim determination that he will do whatever he needs to do to make you know to to end the mission to finish the mission so mm-hmm. you know while while you know more was kind of sort of a more happy-go-lucky-ish or a little wittier sort of bond kind of lightening the mood and connery is essentially became sort of the suave bond i always thought of of brosnan as just that determined bond still had the class yeah. still had the sophistication but uh, there right. are so many scenes where he's just he, he glances for a second. And he's like, "All right, I've got to run and slide down this this line," and just does it, yeah. kind of thing. And and you kind of see the determination on his face and the you yeah, know he's exactly. going to do it. Yeah, exactly. So the the overall plot on Goldeneye. Stop me if you've heard this one before. <laughs> is there's a <laughs> laser satellite that can shoot laser beams <laughs> from space? <laughs> <laughs> which if you remember diamonds are forever yeah and, and real genius and real genius and if you put a pin in it we're going to talk about this exact same plot in a little bit <laughs> yes but regardless uh the cold war has happened so or has ended i should say and so russia is arguably our allies and so the plot behind this one is that Russia had put two GoldenEye satellites up in space and some renegade general in the Russian army has gone in and stolen the codes to, to do this, or to control it, basically. And they use one of them just to right. blow up the base that controls it. And so now there's another one they can go, he and his, his femme fatale, Xenia Anatop. Um, played by Famke <laughs> Jamsen to Oh, she perfection. did such a great job. Yes. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. She did Perfect a great job. in that movie. You know, because it was it was such an over-the-top name, but she didn't... I mean, she overplayed it a little bit, but not... not right, right. Not too bad. I mean... She played it very well. She just played she, it well. Her shtick yeah. was that as she fought, she got more excited, right? Yeah. And, yeah. But she did it well, and she did it with her eyes, mostly. Right. And that was what I was really impressed with. You know, it wasn't like moaning or facial expressions. It was all in the eyes. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, her, her signature move was crushing people to death with with her legs. Like, she grabbed their yes. necks and with their thighs and just... Anyway. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, oh, I should preface this by saying in the opening scene, there's a... It's a mission that's gone awry. 
um, and poor old 006 gets uh, gets killed. <laughs> yes. And do you know who played 006? Do you remember? Oh, yeah. I'll give you a hint. Oh. He dies a lot. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I forget the actor's name. Yeah, oh, Sean shoot. Bean. That's it. Sean Bean, yeah. I was like, you know, he, he died in this movie, in this movie, in this movie. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah. Poor Sean Bean. <laughs> yep. So Sean Bean is... Um, is killed during this mission. Bond it manages to escape, and this mission happens way in the past. And now we get to the future, and Bond's off and running, trying to figure out what's going on, why, why these Russians, you know, why they, this Russian base was destroyed. Oh, and there was a computer expert in the base. She did happen to escape, um, and her name was uh, Natalia. Natalia. Yeah, it was Isabella Scorpucho, I think. Uh, so she's obviously the the femme fatale, or not the femme fatale, but the the lead interest lead in lady. this one. And so yeah, off they go to try and figure it out. Oh, also one other person escaped from the base. I'm sorry, I keep forgetting. Alan Cummings plays a yeah. Boris the hacker. <laughs> he's hilarious in that. <laughs> he is. He's he's very over the top, and he basically ends up working for the bad guys. Although really, he's just trying to. I mean, he's he's put his money in with the bad guys, but he's not. He's just trying to survive overall. Um, and so they go off, and they're trying to track him down. And at some point, Xenia and her boss steal this attack helicopter from in Monaco, and that's kind of where the big trigger goes for Bond to chase after them. And then eventually, oh, is this the one where they go to Saint Petersburg? I think this is the one they go to Saint Petersburg. Yeah, so he's chasing him down, and there is just an epic street battle in St. Petersburg with oh, Bond with the driving tanks? the tanks. Yes. Yeah, 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 that's epic. <laughs> that was truly epic. Yeah, I mean, first of all, it was great because it was in St. Petersburg with the mm-hmm. with the falling mm-hmm. of the wall. You know, they could actually film in there. But yeah, I mean, you see Bond, his head sticking out. And they, they had gotten captured by the bad guys, and they're in some sort of Russian jail. I, th- I think it was a military base. In the middle of St. Petersburg, yeah, and so they end up escaping using this tank, and and you just see it crushing things. There's a real tank, and um, right, and it was it was and, certainly. And I was gonna say the the thing I really liked about it it was it was like a high speed tank chase too. It was right. It was like taking corners and and like sliding a little bit and smashing through walls, and, uh, and that was it was probably one of the better over the top chase scenes I think. Yeah, I agree. Because, I mean, again, it's that determination of Brosnan's face. And, yeah, when he just plows that tank through a brick wall and just keeps on mm-hmm. going. And mm-hmm. and uh, and the other thing that was nice about it was that it was just him driving. I think she was probably in the back somewhere. I can't remember. Or maybe she was captured because he had to go get her. Um, but there's no one running the gun. There's no one running machine guns. So there's no firing. It's just a car slash tank chase. <laughs> exactly. Right. And so that was that was pretty cool. So, yeah, Bond gets captured. He finds this this mystery super attack helicopter, and he and the girl are, are captured, and they're basically, he's knocked out. He comes to inside this, it's a really cool set. It's like where all the Lenin statues went after the communism failed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and um, he's tied up, and he comes to find out that, oh, 006 actually wasn't killed after all. He was captured and tortured and basically now hates mi6 with a passion and is doing all this to try and destroy mi6 right and so then he he leaves bond there's a missile that's going to be fired say again it was gonna say it it has something to do with heritage i I didn't quite follow all that you know like 
Yeah, is I don't remember it either. He had he had some sort of whacked out reason why. Oh, mm-hmm. his he his parents were Cossacks and they fled Stalin. They fled Stalin's Russia, but they weren't treated well by the Brits. They were, right. they fled to Britain and they weren't treated well. And so, yeah, he's he's going to uh, essentially steal a bunch of money from the London Exchange electronically and then covers tracks by using the laser in the sky to just blow it all up right and then run to cuba and uh, just be be rich and happy and get get his revenge all at all at the same time oh yep and destroy the british economy at the same time exactly so um so he leaves bond and and uh natalia there inside the helicopter that's on the ground and there's a missile that's going to fire at him, and it's going to count down. And right before it does, Bond hits the ejector seat on the helicopter, which I was a little skeptical about. Helicopters typically do not have ejector <laughs> seats. But I will give him credit, because before the ejector seat flies off, now the helicopter's not moving, but all the rotors blew off. Okay. Because clearly, you can't have an ejector seat in a helicopter and <laughs> yes. rotor on the top. That makes perfect sense. Yeah. But so anyway, they escape. They chase after him. They they meet up in Cuba and have a big, nice, huge fight over the. It's a, it's like a radio telescope. I think it's just this huge. Right, dish. but but the other thing that I thought was great about that was it was hidden, right? So they couldn't find it at first. Oh, that's right. It was under like a camouflage netting or something. No, it was a lake. Oh, that's right. It and, was a lake. And, yes. and they were flying over it and like, oh, we could find one of these lakes. And then they revealed it. And it was like this giant bathtub of water and they emptied it. And like a second, like in movie magic, yep, yep. you know. <laughs> <laughs> and I was just like, oh, great. Another awesome super James Bond layer. Like, you know, the the rocket hidden the underneath the volcano yeah. or whatever. You know, I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. When did, did, when did he do the, the base jump off of the. That was in the opening scene. Oh, that was the opening. Okay. That was that was the base. That was where they were going to some Russian base that they were sneaking into. Oh, okay. And actually, at the end of it, they're they're running out. The Russians are all chasing them, and I, I think he was in a plane somehow or another. They end up going off the cliff. He ends up going off the cliff and then just pulling up at the very last minute because they just didn't have enough runway to take off. Mm-hmm. It was a pretty slick stunt as well. Oh, at the motor, there, yeah, there was wasn't that thing where he jumps off the like a motorcycle onto an airplane. Yeah, that was it. It's a it's a really good opening scene. Which now, mm-hmm. as we speak, I'm going to have to rewatch because <laughs> I forgot how good it really was. Yeah, no, I love this one. This is yeah. Uh, so anyway, at the end, the GoldenEye satellite is actually they retarget it to target the hidden villain layer. And I'm pretty sure, if I remember correctly, Alan Cummings gets blasted by it. But he might have actually survived, now that I think about it. I seem to remember him standing uh, in a bunch of rubble. He got frozen. Uh, oh, it got blasted, and the, and the liquid nitrogen that was around him, or helium or whatever, that was cooling the computers, blew up and froze him. Because right. he said, I am invincible, and he just stood up, uh, and, and, then it fr- and then he got frozen. That's right. So, yeah, he didn't make it, which is too bad. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, like he's like I agree with you. Uh, a good flick. A couple of interesting notes. Uh, there is a, a great once again scene with Q and Bond, and it's still Desmond Llewellyn, and so that's it's always good to kind of keep that consistency. Um, the next movie, there's a there's a great scene with Bond and Q, um, and there's a new M though, and this this is this time it's Judy Dench. 
Right. And I thought she did a great job as M. Yeah. Oh, yeah. In fact, I thought she gave personality to M because really in the previous movies, M and the chief of staff, they tended to be interchangeable, really. <laughs> Correct. Yeah. Yeah. You couldn't tell like Bernard Lee from, from uh, Tom. What is this? Got the other guy's name. Yeah. But anyway. Yeah. yeah. There's a couple old guys that just all kind of bled together. Exactly. Uh, and so, yeah, so she does She does a really good job as M, and you know, there was a little bit of a Twitter about, oh, a woman being M is, you know, mm-hmm. look well, how just, modern Bond you know, is. They're, they're trying to shake things up, right? Yep, exactly. So what movie and are we talking about? Goldeneye. Oh, 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 we're still talking about Goldeneye. Sorry. I, I, yeah, sorry. <laughs> yeah, I was just kind of hinting on some yes. of the uh, changes. Of the yeah. And uh, I'm trying to remember if Lois Maxwell is still Money Penny. Uh, no, I think there's a new Money Penny as well. There was a blonde girl because Lois had gotten a little old by then. In fact, I think she had suggested. Uh, well, actually, no, I think she suggested that. Yeah, she suggested the new the new MB female. And then, but yeah, she. I don't think she's Money Penny in this one anymore. And one other thing that's just kind of a little side. I read that I was like, huh. So there's a scene where Bond's going to a casino in Monte Carlo. This is where the helicopter stealing thing happens and he drives up in an aston martin db5 and the scene where he's driving up you can't really see who's in there it's actually being driven by the owner of that particular db5 a mr jeremy clarkson from top gear (laughs) oh really yeah i was like huh that's kind of neat i'll check that out again so we mentioned that in the living daylights jodon baker was a bad guy (laughs) And in this movie, he's their CIA contact, Jack Wade. Yes. Uh, How does that work? I don't know. (laughs) The same way Maud Adams can be Octopussy and and, uh, uh, Andrea Anders. (laughs) Yes, I guess that's true. Uh, But uh, there's a fun scene where Bond in his full British commander uniform is on an American aircraft carrier and Joe Don Baker's there in full military gear and they go over and kind of do some computer stuff and and kind of give bond the clue he needs to get to the next step so anyway that is the end of goldeneye like a really strong return you know of bond it was great to see brosnan and and uh, like i said a strong movie oh the other thing is he drives a bmw now instead of an aston martin not a big deal it was bmw had introduced a new convertible uh miata like roadster and mm-hmm. so this was kind of the way they were going to market it. Right. I think this one had missiles, if I remember correctly. Oh, no, it's the next one that has missiles. He, he drives one through the next two or three movies. So speaking of the next movie, we have Tomorrow Never Dies. Uh, kind of noticeable things here. Terry Hatcher is one of the, one of the uh, femme fatales in this movie, or... or for a little while. For a little while. Uh, and so that was kind of a big deal. Uh, Michelle, Michelle Yeoh is the real femme fate, or not, I keep calling them femme fatales, the real uh, female sidekick, yeah. or however we want to call it, um, in this movie. Uh, and so there was some really, uh, oh, but I guess before we jump into that, 
Hong Kong action type movies became real popular <laughs> right before this movie. So there's a lot of of Hong Kong action. In fact, that takes place in Hong Kong and it allows Michelle Yeoh to do all those amazing things that she can do. Exactly. Yeah, and we so see a lot of that. Yes. <laughs> So, uh, do you remember the plot of this particular one? Uh, you know, technological bad guy. So, he's a newspaper mogul who wants to, uh, I don't know, he's, he's, I forget, he has some sort of, some sort of, uh, super ship, some sort of super secret ship, yep. and he's, and he's using it to, uh, convince the East and West to miscommunicate and cause a war with each other, because that's going to raise his newspaper ratings. You got it. <laughs> <laughs> that's it, exactly. Uh, Jonathan Price plays Elliot Carver, who owns yeah. Tomorrow, and who is almost certainly Rupert Murdoch. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, honestly, his whole plot is to cause a war between, I believe it's China and the West. Yeah. Uh, and the way he does it is he has this stealth boat, um, which was interesting because there was an article in Popular Mechanics, you know, a few years before this movie where they talked about America building this same shaped stealth boat and so he has to steal this boat and then once he steals it he's able to go and take it and his goal is to launch some missiles which would then everyone would think america attack china and then suddenly a big war would happen and yeah he would sell more newspapers right um and in fact the original title for this movie was tomorrow never lies and uh, since the main bad guy's newspaper was called Tomorrow, that was kind of how that tied together. But at some point in memos going back and forth, it got misread as Tomorrow Never Dies. And I thought, ooh, that's a better title. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, Bond's off again and has to go and stop all the, this kind of bad guy stuff. At first, they just have to investigate, figure out what he wants. He's doing something bad. They're not sure what it is. Uh, and so they have to go and figure this out. Um Oh, I know what it is. There's a British ship that's sunk by the Chinese, and they have to figure out why on earth the Chinese would do that. And the reason it got sunk by the Chinese is that Elliot Carver was able to manipulate the GPS settings on the British ship, and oh. so they thought they were in international waters when in reality they were in Chinese waters. Exactly. That's So that's how it all kind of goes in, and so then, yeah, Bond... He tries to find GPS trackers. He stumbles across Wei Lin, who's a Chinese Secret Service person, and again is Michelle Yeoh. And um, they they quickly kind of hit upon Carver being the bad guy, and Carver's girlfriend is an ex-flame of Bond's, which I thought was interesting because I don't know that any of his previous ex-flames have ever, you know, he's ever had an ex-flame appear. If that makes yeah, that sense. they're that they're alive anyway. Right. Exactly. <laughs> And so, yeah, so he kind of is trying to convince her to basically get information and help him. And she, you know, they didn't part apparently on the best of terms, but eventually she succumbs to his charms and does indeed get him the information he needs. Uh, but unfortunately, when he comes back to f visit her again, he finds her dead. And uh, there's an assassin in the room. Uh, what's his name? He, you've seen him millions of times. Vincent something or another yeah yeah um in, uh, anyway and Chevelli, he, he's a he's yeah. a, he's one of the one of the one of the aliens in uh Bakaru Banzai. oh right right yeah yeah yeah. that's exactly <laughs> right uh he's just a classic character actor mm -hmm. you've seen him all over the place and so he's this incredible assassin and he 
he you know really takes pride in his work and he's getting everything ready and and bond uh, ultimately turns the tables on him and kills him um th- actually there was a real good scene there with brosnan where he's just sitting there drinking vodka because he is actually really upset that paris carver is dead his girlfriend is dead and he just sits there and he's basically waiting to kill the next person who comes in here uh, you know, to who sort of orchestrated this this event and it's just it turns out i think waylin comes in instead and he doesn't kill her but there's you know again that determination that just you don't usually see bond get upset i mean you know goldfinger he was sad when jill masterson died but he certainly wasn't murderously despondent i guess yeah so they go to China. They have some really cool rooftop motorcycle fighting scenes in there. Yeah, weren't they handcuffed together? Yeah, that's right. They were so handcuffed together. So they had together. to switch seats and do all this gymnastics while driving on a motorcycle while avoiding a helicopter, if I remember correctly. Or Yep, that sounds exactly right. And then uh, they eventually make it on to, to Carver's boat, his stealth boat. They start doing a fight. Uh, Stamper is the Red Grant-like yeah. <laughs> privileged henchman in this one. Uh, and so Bond ends up fighting him. Uh, again, this is one of those people that Bond can't fight one-on-one. He's just too good of a fighter. Mm-hmm. Uh, but eventually, I think a missile rack that's holding some of the missiles crushes his leg, and that holds him long enough for them to get away. And then eventually the boat blows up, and that kills him. And uh, along with... Along with uh, Elliot Carver as well. And uh, that saves the world from, once again, another uh, another war that wasn't supposed to happen. Right, yeah. This one was, uh, I don't know, it was interesting, but mildly forgettable. <laughs> yeah, I, the, the whole stuff with Michelle Yeoh was fantastic. Yeah. But the whole overall plot, and uh, Elliot Carver was a fine enough bad guy. It was actually kind of refreshing to have some guy just out to make a buck, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> as opposed to you know, taking over the world or something. Right. Uh, so kind of that Goldfinger sort of feel to it. But yeah, it was it was largely forgettable, I think. Yeah. One of the one of the good stunts uh, cue things was his remote control car. Oh, yes, yes, yes. So yeah, Q shows up as a uh, as a car rental agent where <laughs> Bond is going to go collect his BMW. And there's this hilarious scene where they're Q's asking him about all the extra car rental insurance, and Bond's like, oh, yes, we're going to need all of that. (laughs) (laughs) But, yeah, he can control his car with his phone, so at some point he's in the back seat of his car racing through this this, uh, parking Parking. garage, controlling it while the bad guys are all shooting at it. Yeah, I seem to remember there was a plug for whatever brand phone that was. Yeah, it was probably a Nokia, I'm sure. Yeah, (laughs) but that also uh, was a BMW, too. Yep, it was. And Bond indeed returns it to the travel agency by (laughs) crashing it through the front door. Yep. (laughs) All right, so then we get to the next one. And this is is one I really liked. The world is not enough. That's interesting. Tell me. And I'll explain why when I get, when we get to it. But uh, first things first, Garbage does the, does the uh, song, the the title song, which I thought they did a great job of. Yes. Big Garbage fan. Mm -hmm. I liked that quite a bit. And so the plot here is that there is this girl... Uh, is it Paris? No, that was the other uh, one. Electra uh, King. Electra King, right, right. And uh, she was she kidnapped. She was going to be kidnapped. That's right. And so Bond is supposed to protect her. She's a, she's got friends in the agency and friends in in 
British society, and there's a credible threat against her, so Bond is sent to protect her. And Bond actually knew her. I think he rescued her in the past when she was captured by this terrorist named Renard. Right. And so while it was never really implied that they slept together, I don't think I don't think there was anything romantic behind them because she was a lot younger then. Mm-hmm. Um, so Bond had more of a paternal kind of feel for her at the time. So basically they go and he's there to help her not get captured. And, um, well, he fails, actually. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Well, her dad dies, right? Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Her dad is the one that kind of makes all this happen. Yeah, and he's, he's killed. And now she has to take over the, the company and run everything. And and so Bond is going to try and figure out who, who killed her dad. Right. Uh, and so along the way, now let me think here. Was her dad involved in dismantling nuclear weapons facilities like his company was doing it? No, he was running a pipeline, I thought. Oh, he was running a pipeline. Uh, at some point, Bond runs into Christmas Jones, who's this nuclear bomb disposal person. Right. Or she's a nuclear physicist or something. Yeah. And uh, Well, that's where he gets the, the, the plutonium from that they oh. wanted to put into the sub. That's right. That's right. That brings it all back. Yeah. So the bad guys need this plutonium. It's in this abandoned or decommissioned, I should say, military, mm-hmm. Russian military uh, nuclear base. And uh, yeah, Christmas Jones played by uh, Denise Richards. Yes. It's like the girl that was married to Charlie Sheen. Yeah. So she's a nuclear physicist, and she's her bomb disposal unit, or I think she's a physicist. Anyway, she's there trying to dismantle the bombs safely, but all the bad guys show up, this terrorist Renard from before, uh, because they need the plutonium to power their nuclear submarine. So there's a big old fight, Bond's there, and uh, but ultimately he loses, and they get away with the nuclear material. So right. now Bond has to track that down. Okay. Uh, great fight scene, by the way, in that nuclear bunker, that military bunker, I thought. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because explosions it, and... And there's like a, a galley or something to carry the nuclear missile back and forth on, and that, so there was a lot of fighting there and doors closing, and mm-hmm. it, it worked well. And then, um, so yeah, so there's a concern that there's this big pipeline that Electric King's company is building that is going to be attacked by this nuclear bomb. So Bond has to go there and try and stop it. And so Bond is there, M is there, Tanner is there, everybody's there trying to stop it. And so Bond goes and uh, about three quarters of the way through this mission, he realizes that they're not going to blow up the, the pipeline at all. It's some sort of fake out. And by the time he realizes it, they... Uh, Electric King and Renard have come in and kidnapped M. Correct. And um, they're going to dispose of Bond. So Bond's inside this pipeline, and there's like a a bomb and a sled inside this pipeline as well. Yeah, it's like a pipe cleaning machine. Right, a pig, actually. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and so they have to kind of escape. Well, and of course he's with Christmas Jones. And then the bond, uh, the bomb goes off, but they do manage to escape. But now everyone thinks they're dead, so they're going to kind of use that to their advantage. So uh, at this point, you basically find out M is is captured inside this little lighthouse building that they're using as their base. Uh, Electric King is never forget. Oh, she's sort of suffers from Stockholm Syndrome or really fell in love with the terrorist that kidnapped her. Yeah. 
um, she has genuine feelings for him. He's got this sort of personality tick that a bullet that Bond shot him with is still in his brain, and he basically is a sociopath. He can't, or at least can't feel any emotions. He also so, can't feel things physically. Right, that's right. And so their whole thing is, you know, Electra blames M for not getting her out earlier. Uh, turns out they were the plan to kill, to kill uh, her parent or her dad because she mm-hmm. also blamed him. And so those those two were going to get on their nuclear submarine, go do some devastating something or another. And uh, well, they were going to use the ship to blow up the the Russian pipeline, and then then therefore they would have to the people would have to use their pipeline. Oh, that's right. To use to get the oil from wherever to wherever. So again, yeah. it was just you know a money making scheme, as well <laughs> as a way to to get uh, kill off M. That's right. And so uh, Bond, so Bond and Christmas Jones kind of sneak in there, but they end up getting captured. Christmas is put in the. I just can't really treat her seriously with that yeah. name, to be honest with you. No. She's she's put in the submarine. Bond is in this chair that has this neck-tightening noose. So it's yeah. basically, he's going to be tortured by strangling him. And Electra, oh, who had seduced him in the in the, earlier in the movie, <laughs> Electra reveals herself to be the bad guy, and Bond kind of sort of has to deal with that. And so he, along the way, there's a bomb inside this room as well. There are, it's it's going to kill M, it's going to kill Bond, Electra's going to get away. Mm-hmm. So Bond gets out. Right, we got to back up a little bit. Okay. Because we forgot one of my one of my favorite characters in this movie. So he he meets up with the with the Russian caviar oh, guy. Yeah, Zerk uh, Valentin Zerkovsky. He's a Russian yes. gangster. <laughs> yes, I forgot all about <laughs> so that first the whole off, caviar. We, and st- yeah, we go in we go in and we go to his club and his girlfriend sing and stand by your man horribly. <laughs> and yes. and then we find out his nephew or something is actually that runs the sub. And then they find out he kills him, so he has kind of a vendetta against against uh, against Renard or Renard. Yeah, that's right. So he's willing to help out Bond. Yeah, and that's when he he shows up um, and wants to. Uh, he basically wants to kill Renard, and I think he gets shot by somebody. He gets get shot by Renard, or he gets shot by he gets shot by um, King Is it Goldie. No, he gets shot by King. She has his oh, hat that's right. and that's a gun. Right. She shoots him, but he has like a he has like this cool cane gun. Yeah, and he, and he and it looks like he's going to shoot Bond because they've actually been enemies for a long time. And he shoots the the neck uh, or whatever that torture chamber his arm or something and gets him out of it. Oh, that's right. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's how Bond escapes. Right. It's Robbie Coltrane, by the way, who that's- plays. Yeah. Who plays Zukovsky. Yeah. And yeah, I, he's a great character. And he comes back in the next one as well, if I, I remember. remember. He comes back. I wouldn't be, the I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. Um, uh, this is also the one where the helicopter with the giant saw blades on it is attacking Bond, and his uh, BMW gets sliced in half oh, by Oh, that's it. right. <laughs> and that's at his... his um, caviar Caviar factory. factory, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so Bond escapes, right? And then he's running to go and rescue M... And Electra King is there, and I think she's going to shoot M. And this is the scene, this is the whole scene that I, I, I really focus on in this movie, is that Bond guns down Electra King in cold blood. Yeah. He could have done anything, but he knows she's damaged beyond control, and he needs to protect M, and so he just shoots her. And M witnesses all of this. Right. And to my mind, I'm like, 
this is the point. Now she truly sees what Bond does in the field. She's always known, right? But now she, you know, can see it. And their relationship is now going to change, or it should change, because this is, in my mind, a pivotal moment. It never does. I was so, so disappointed. <laughs> I mean, you always had, of course, the, the, the male M's always had sort of a paternal affection for Bond. Mm-hmm. Uh, and likewise, M had a maternal or paternal, either one, affection for Bond as well. But she was a little more hard, you know, kind of had to be a little more hard. But I thought right here would be a great opportunity to really show character growth on both of them. Yeah. Like they now both have a stronger understanding. She, when she sends him on a mission, he, when he receives a mission. You know, I thought that could really make a, a difference. Sure. I, understand. I see that. I can definitely see that. I guess my issue is... I'm comparing the Renard villain to when we spoke about uh, the man with the golden gun. Mm-hmm. And it was more of a uh, sympathetic villain that you just didn't feel bad for. You know, mm-hmm. this guy had a bullet in his head and he had all these problems and he just didn't, <laughs> just didn't feel bad for him. He didn't feel villainous. He yeah. didn't feel like somebody that you were rooting against. Um, he really felt like a guy who was just punching a clock. <laughs> yeah. So I guess that was my issues with this movie versus the, the points that you made. Yeah, I can easily see that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, all that's left now is for Bond to go rescue Christmas and defeat Renard. And so he gets into the submarine, they have a big fight, and he does just that. Yes. Uh, and I don't know, is there anything else on this one that you wanted to go into? No, it, it ends with a uh, the horrible book. Oh, horrible joke I, I, of Christmas coming twice a year or something like that. Yeah, I thought Christmas only comes once a year. <laughs> God. Yeah. Uh, that was So, <laughs> yeah, that, I mean even I was rolling my eyes on that one. Yeah. I mean And and part of the thing is I, as a whole I like Denise Richards in mm-hmm. some of the things that I've seen her in. I love her in um Drop Dead Gorgeous. I don't know if you've ever seen that. No. The fake the fake documentary of uh, a small town pageant. Um, hilarious in it. Uh, but in this movie, I mean, it, she was always wearing tank tops. She was all just breasts and smiles. Yeah, and she, she looked a lot like uh, the, the run through the jungle with the two guns. The video oh, Laura game. Croft. Laura Croft yeah. is what she, she looked, looked like. You're exactly right, yeah. And, you know, and how believable is it that she's a nuclear physicist, you know? Yeah. Uh, I, I can certainly buy Elizabeth Shue as a nuclear physicist in The Saint better than I can buy mm-hmm. Denise Richards. So those are those are some of the issues that I had with that movie. But, I, you know, overall, like I said, that, that, one, that one scene I thought could really have made a, a huge difference. But then we get to the last one with Brosnan, and that's Die Another Day. Mm-hmm. So we're up to 2002. Yep. And this was an anniversary. I, I don't remember which one. Um, and so, as part of an anniversary for Bond, they tried to fit in as many uh, winks and nods to all the Bond movies they could. All right, so that's fine. This movie irritated me to no end at the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> so here's the deal. So Bond is in North Korea doing, trying to stop some arms deal. Right, these guys are going to trade diamonds for weapons. All right, so he goes in and he tries to stop it, and at some point, the diamond, the case 
full of diamonds explodes, diamonds get embedded in this bad guy's face, and now everyone's chasing after Bond. And so Bond goes through this this huge, it's actually a really cool scene, he gets in a hovercraft, they're racing around, at some point he gets in the demilitarized zone, landmines are exploding everywhere, but they can't hurt it because it's a hovercraft, ignoring the fact that the landmines explode up and would destroy the hovercraft. Yeah, well. We'll, we'll just let it go. <laughs> um, and he's almost there. He almost makes it to the end, but he gets captured. Yeah. All right. So, cue opening credits scene where we have stylized scenes of Bond being tortured. And then cue to where he's been in North Korean jail for two years. Mm-hmm. And... That, to me, was just ludicrous, right? Bond, we have seen Bond escape far worse situations than a North Korean jail. Yeah. And so, I mean, granted, we have to suspend disbelief when we're watching these movies, but my point is, is Bond would not have been caught for two years in jail. And then... Eventually, they take him, and they look. he thinks they're going to shoot him, but in reality, they're trading him for somebody else, and it's the guy with the diamonds in the face... And he goes off, and he's talking to M, and he's like, I, you know, I understood. I was supposed to be written off. You're not supposed to be. And they think Bond has actually turned traitor because some of their, some of their uh, men are getting killed or captured or something. And so they wanted to get Bond out of there in case he was leaking secrets. But you know, M doesn't like him anymore. And and and, and you can tell with my feelings in the end of the last movie, and then the, the polar opposites that we have now. It just really is like ah. Oh, not only did you waste something, but you've made it just worse. <laughs> so Bond is on a vendetta. He's going to... He it basically escapes MI6. So he can't escape North Korea, but he can escape MI6 in Hong Kong. And he uh, basically swims in... The, he's in a pajama bottoms because he's in like a medical facility. He swims across the ocean into this you know, really luxurious hotel and he's all bedraggled and whatnot. And he walks right up and they're like, can we help you? And he's like, yeah, I'm Bond. I need my regular suite. And suddenly the mater, or not the mater D, but the guy behind the counter is like, oh yes, Mr. Bond, of course. And they get him a shave and they get him his clothes and all this stuff. And he goes, uh, and it turns out, of course, that he knew all along that the guy that was helping him was Chinese Secret Service. And they were thinking, you know, trying to get some information out of him, but he uses that to get the information he needs and basically says, hey, we're all on the same side here. We want to get these North Koreans, the guy who, you know, the main boss and whatnot. And so he goes and he, he can't quite figure out what's going on, but there's this crazy uh, Richard Branson type, you know, rich British guy who's yeah. grabbing all this attention and deserves to be looked into. Oh, no, before that happens, I'm sorry, he has to go to Cuba because the Chinese tell him the guy with the diamonds in his face is in Cuba. So he goes to Cuba to go find him, and he's in some sort of gene therapy place. Yeah, spa, almost. Right, and this is where he encounters Halle Berry, who is ultimately a CIA agent, Mm -hmm. and uh, what was her name? But also, you know, uh, uh, you were talking about doing throwbacks. This is when she comes out of the water and the... Mm -hmm. In the throwback to uh, Honey Child Rider, um, you yeah, know, the first James Bond coming out of the ocean, exactly. she comes out in a bikini, uh, in a very, rem- very, very similar to a Jinx. That was it. Yeah, Jinx. That was it. Yeah, and uh, she practically throws a hip out. I think swaying <laughs> as she comes out of the water yes. there. <laughs> so yeah, she's a she's a nice welcome distraction for Bond, and then he goes into the spa, and then she's there 
eventually they discover that he discovers that she's a CIA agent, but not before Diamond Face can get away. <laughs> so, uh, it's a good so, James Bond this, movie, Diamond Face. Yeah, I, I don't really remember yes. his name. It was Zhao or something like that. Right. But um, yeah, so they go and investigate this British guy who's all the all the rage, and he's a multimillionaire. He's got a uh, he's got everything, mm-hmm. and I think he's going to be knighted or he's going to be part of Parliament. I don't remember. Regardless, Bond kind of encounters him at a fencing club because he's an Olympic level fencer as well, and so. Uh, he, they end up doing a, a, a duel. Uh, they bet money and they do a duel. Um, the fencing instructor, do you remember who the fencing instructor Madonna, was? Who, Madonna, who also did the, the music, if I remember correctly. Oh, that's right. Yeah, she did the theme song. Uh, terrible job acting in this movie. Yes. I've seen her act before and she was better. This, uh, she could barely get her lines out. Uh, so, yeah. So, anyway, they do a, a big fight scene and they just basically run a rampant through this fence this it's like gentlemen's club fencing club yeah yeah they're like bleeding and jumping you know knocking into yep. fountains and exactly and eventually bond wins um barely or they may have even stopped no, it. I, think I think they stopped wins, it i think that's when miranda yeah. frost comes in yeah and, and puts an end to it you know she's behave you know boys or whatever in her yeah Exactly. And so, yeah, they, they basically now know each other. They don't like each other. They're bad guys. Miranda Frost, it turns out, was an analyst in MI6, and she's been kind of there to spy. She's been embedded in to spy on this guy. Yeah. And so the next scene, the next big scene is he's got this big ice castle in <laughs> Norway or something, and he comes in on a rocket, rocket uh, ski thing, and it's a big party, but Bond's there really to figure out what's going on, and... Uh, come to find out, Diamond Face is there as well, and yes, it's all he's he's the big bad guy in all this, and he has control of what? Oh, a space laser. A space laser. <laughs> Apparently the atmosphere or the orbit is full of space lasers. So yeah, he, he decides he's gonna try and kill Bond and Jinx, so he traps Jinx inside his ice palace there and he fires a space laser at it, so it's going to melt essentially. Bond and Diamond Face get into actually a really cool car chase. Yes, they do. Um, now, Bond has, he's back to Aston Martins again, and he has just this incredibly tricked out uh, Aston Martin. Oh, you know what? I just remembered last movie, we neglected one important thing, and that is that Desmond Llewellyn gets to say goodbye to Bond. Mm. Uh, previously, uh, John Ritter, not John Ritter, uh, John Cleese yes. became R as opposed to Q, and he was like Q's assistant. Right. And so there's this really great scene in the Scottish castle where MI6 has another hidden base where they're giving Bond his equipment, and Q basically tells Bond it's time to know, you, you have to know when to say goodbye or something like that. Right. And, and does he, he really just the gets the floor or something? Yeah, yeah. He sinks down in the floor, just has a really great send-off as mm-hmm. kind of, you know, thank you for being Q. And it was incredibly fortunate because it wasn't very long after that movie came out, he was killed in a car wreck. Wow. Of course, he was like 80-something as well. Sure, yeah. So, so uh, I can't remember. I'm pretty sure John Cleese w- was Q in this one. Yes, he was. Die another yeah, day? yeah, yeah. He gave him, he gave him the ring, the sonic Just, ring, and yep. talked to him about the car. Yeah, and, and they're in this hidden, it's an old uh, metro Subway stop, station, stop. right? Because yeah. it comes in on the track and it's invisible. Right, yeah. And that's the big stick of this car. It's got everything, but it also is invisible. 
Um, but they, and honestly, I thought they did that well. It gets a lot of flack, the invisible car, but mm-hmm. you know, it has cameras on it, and like when Bond walks around it, you kind of see a distorted view of Bond on it. Yeah. And uh, so I thought it worked out worked out well. Um, but throughout that Q station, it are all kinds of things to reference earlier movies, like the alligator submarine, the jet pack from Thunderball. I mean, it's just a cornucopia of references. Oh, and in an earlier, Jinx was... Is it here that Jinx was tied to the lasers in the botany room? That's towards the end. That's towards the end. Okay. She gets tied to lasers kind of a la Goldfinger. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then yeah. it uh, shoots the, one of the Hawaiian-looking guys. Shoots through oh, his that's face. Right. <laughs> that's right. So, um, yeah, so Bond and Diamond Face are having this duel. So Bond's got this tricked-out Aston Martin. Well, Diamond Face has got this tricked-out Jaguar. Yes. And so it's just, you know, gadget versus gadget. And they race around and they shoot at each other. And like I said, it's really well done. Um, ultimately... Uh, inconsequential because neither of them defeat the other. <laughs> or no, no, do they? they do. Oh, yeah, that's right. Right, they, they race inside the uh, ice castle just as the lasers going off, don't they? At the end. Oh, yes, that's right, and that's how. Yeah, Bond kind of leaps out in the car, and the laser comes goes off and destroys the ice castle. Mm-hmm. All right. Now we glazed over. No pun intended. When does <laughs> when does he do the uh, when does he do the ski thing? And then they play the Beach Boys music. That that was, oh, that was unfortunately uh, at the beginning. Yeah. Yes, yeah. When he's infiltrating North Korea, I want to say, is he in a skis or is he on a a surfboard or a? a I thought it was. Well, yeah. Anyway, it's 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 straight out of like View to a Kill. Yeah. Right. I mean, he he's surfing in there and yeah they're playing the beach boys as he's infiltrating north korea it's it's yeah, something like that i thought it was i thought it was on graves's ice scooter thing no i think you might be confusing it with view to a kill because bond there was an ice or a snowmobile or something and he ends up grabbing the front of the maybe that's front it. of it yeah. and skiing down and Getting, down they there. all get they all run together right it's the same <laughs> joke right it's the same situation it? so yeah <laughs> All right. I had blocked it out. <laughs> but. Yeah. Just the whole thing. Yes. <laughs> so eventually they have to go and get this bad guy because he's going to use the laser to destroy, I don't know, South Korea, I think. Oh, he was going to destroy the DMZ and allow yeah. the North Korean troops to go into South Korea because he was originally Korean and his father was a Korean general. And he was trying to do something good for Korea for once and get his father's approval yeah, that's it exactly. He he had this magic gene therapy that changed him from a Korean to a, a white Englishman. Yeah. And uh, and so that was sort of the big reveal that, yeah, he was actually the bad guy from the beginning of the movie. And, yeah, all he wanted to do was get his dad's approval. And so he's going to destroy the DMV. I'm sorry, the DMZ. DMZ. <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, every North Korean tank and whatnot can drive on down and invade South Korea. And so a giant space laser is just the thing for it. Uh, oh, and by the way, Miranda Frost, who we thought was working for MI6, no, she's turned. Yeah, she's she's actually working for the bad guy, which is uh, which was too bad because I liked her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but then I saw, um, was it Gone Girl? Yeah, Gone Girl, and I no longer like her. <laughs> oh, okay, I'm not familiar with her or anything else. So uh, it's a it's a good movie, but it's a it's one of those psychological tr- mm-hmm. 
thriller time movies. But anyway, so we get onto an airplane. I can't. It's a cargo plane of some sort. I want to say it's a C-130, but I can't remember for sure. Um, and so then there's this huge fight in there where Jinx is fighting Miranda Frost and Bond is fighting the big bad guy while there's giant lasers coming down and trashing part of the plane. And it's just this big, huge fight. And they end up, I want to say they get in a Jeep and escape off the back with a parachute and uh, save the day. Yep. And alas. Yep. And that's it. And that's the end of Brosnan. And, and uh, honestly, he does a fine job in this movie. Um, all of my big issues with it are, are story driven. I really just I I can't picture them just abandoning Bond or Bond not escaping or or any of the. My thought is the writers could have come up with a better reasoning for all of this. Right. I guess my issue is it just is everything was just too over the top. It definitely was. You I know. mean, yeah, you had giant space lasers again. Right. You had, you know, ice castles and, and gene therapy and, and yeah, I agree. It, it, I mean, let's face it. There's a lot of stuff in Bond where you, you, you just, okay, take the disbelief and move on. But, right. But you also aren't constantly hit over the head with bigger, louder, more. Right. Yeah. That's what I guess. You know, it's, if it's okay if it's like one thing, but this was just like everything. Every single thing was just too much. It's exactly right. It's like... You know, it starts off as a as a fencing match and ends up, you know, they're grabbing swords off the wall mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. slicing each other. Yeah. yeah, it's like he doesn't arrive in a car; he arrives in a rocket sled. Yeah, and yeah, it, and it just gets bigger and bigger. I agree. Hey, one little point of trivia I also wanted to mention: uh, a couple movies back, including this one, you had you had talked about money uh, money penny being replaced. Uh-huh. The actress, her name is Samantha Bond, which I That's just thought right. was hilarious. Yes, and she was a great one too. Yes, I really liked her as Money Penny. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I'd forgotten about that. Yeah, because she she was sassy but still, you know, British. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, she was a great foil for Bond. Exactly. The one they had for Timothy Dalton was was relatively forgettable, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Uh, she didn't have very many scenes either. But she, I, I just remember she was a blonde lady, and she was fine, but. There was no real connection between the two of them. Right. Not the same as Lois. Exactly. So that's it. All right. So, and then we lead on to uh, Daniel Craig, which we'll, of course, talk about in a future episode. But the whole Bond reboot. Oh, well, I'll talk about that in the future episode. Sure. <laughs> I have a whole diatribe <laughs> about that. <laughs> we can do that. Any other thoughts about the Dalton Brosnan years? Uh, no. I think they were they were fine years. They were. I was happy to go see them see them all um uh, to be perfectly honest i I don't re-watch them much i mean i watch goldeneye a lot over and over again um and die another day a little bit more than that but yeah and i don't know if it's because i saw them later and i knew more of what bond was as did the the movie makers yeah so you know I haven't, but you're right. I mean, I'd go back and watch, watch the Moore or Connery ones multiple times. Yeah. And these, you know, I'll watch if they're on TV, but I don't know that I consciously go after them. Right. I mean, like if, if Goldeneye comes on TV, not Goldeneye, Goldfinger, mm-hmm. if I'm flipping the channels and Goldfinger's on, I'll, I'll watch that no matter when it's on, you know, halfway through or whatever. I will, I would always watch that where one of these came on, eh, maybe, you know, then just, 
Uh, yeah. I'll watch it till the commercial break. Right, or see what else is on or whatever. Yeah, you exactly. know? So they're not bad, but they're not they just don't have that longevity I'm, that the others do. Yeah. I'm looking for scenes from these movies, you know, like if Golden Eyes on, I'm wanting to see the tank chase. Yeah. You know, yeah. That kind of stuff. And and like I said, Brosnan's one of my favorite bonds. I really mm-hmm. like what he brought to him. Yes. But yeah, I agree with you. I don't watch him uh, as much. Well great. So cool. Well, Patrick, thank you so much for joining me. There's no one else I'd rather do these with. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks a lot. I appreciate that. Cool. And I appreciate uh, chatting you with about them, too. Fantastic. Well, uh, again, you can find Patrick at Over the Hillier on Twitter. Uh, you can find me on Twitter as Eric Lamastra. And feel free to tweet at us and tell us what your favorite Bond movie is or your Bond moment. And in a few months, we will tackle the uh, Daniel Craig over, as it were. <laughs> cool. Well, thanks, Patrick. Thanks, Eric. That's it for this episode of the Inverse Genius Podcast. The Inverse Genius Podcast is licensed under Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives 3.0 License. Thank you.